What are the chances that you discover your lifelong collaborators on the first day of film school? Is it destiny or right place, right time? Hey, I'm Mike. And I'm Lance. And you are listening to Right Place, Right Time. And man, that fucking song rocks. That song's the shit. Every time we play that Mitch Murder track, yeah. it gets me pumped. Bah, 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 I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped for today's show. I'm pumped. We have uh, uh, two uh, awesome filmmakers coming to the space today. We're doing it live. Oh, yeah. Film Quest family. Yeah, the Film yeah. Quest family. Yeah. It continues to grow. We're going to talk a lot on this show today about uh, meeting folks at film festivals. We're going to talk a lot about this stuff. And to give you guys more content, more stuff to listen to, if you're a newcomer to this show and you aren't listening to my other show, which is In Love With The Process, the show that started it all, uh, make sure you're listening to that show, which also comes out on Tuesdays. So In Love With The Process comes out on Tuesdays. Our show comes out on Thursdays. But... If you want to listen to all the cool stuff that we're kind of hinting at in today's episode, go listen, go to inlovewiththeprocess.com, and there I have a section for series, and you can listen to the entire Film Quest series that Lance and I recorded together mm -hmm. on our 10-day adventure at a film festival of Film Quest. In Provo. In Provo. We met a bunch of filmmakers, and the two filmmakers that are joining us on the show uh, weren't able to make it with us then, mm -hmm. and we've kept in touch. And honestly, the reason why uh, I made the effort to make sure they got on the show is because their film was incredibly interesting to me. Yeah, it was very interesting to me. And I remember when we were at Film Quest, I was like, man, I'm bummed that I can't make this mm -hmm. midnight screening because of the mm -hmm. demonic car movie. Yeah. Um, and our two filmmakers made a film called uh, Ride Baby Ride. And it sh there's a lot of shared DNA. Mm-hmm. Between our film and their film, there's a lot of shared DNA in yeah. there. Strong um, filmmakers, man. Strong. Great point of view, great voice, great. great tone. Pace was incredible. Great. It almost reminded me of, you ever seen that uh, that French flick, um, Titan? Titan, yeah, but better. Yeah, 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 for sure. Because like, I, I was like, ah, this. I, I want to watch the full version of this. Yes. You know? I felt like Titan started to get too weird yeah i feel like i the opposite feeling for Titan, where i was like i could watch a short of this yes but i want yes. to see the full-length version of, of ride baby ride Ride baby ride and selfishly i've been wanting to do a demonic car thing anyway oh yeah i know you've told me some stuff yeah yeah and so watching this it do was it. like yeah no make the car everybody says you can no one wants demonic car movies right now um <laughs> so hollywood doesn't know what it wants till it sees it i know it's so fucking annoying um, so joining us on today's show, we have, uh, Sophie Summeroff and Selena Burns, Bernstein, Bernstein. Sorry, I fucked it up. You tried, you, you talked about this friend too, and you still, <laughs> this, is, this is how, this is how my brain works is that I will tell myself, do it this way. Mm -hmm. And then when I actually go to say it, I'll, there's, yeah. there's like that hesitance. There's mm -hmm. that like stutter. Hiccup. Yeah. So. Mike talking, take two. I know. I, well, I'm going to leave it in there because I'm an idiot. <laughs> That's fun, leaving that stuff in there. Um, so excited about both of them. Um, uh, amazing actress and producer 
And uh, both of them uh, come from the art world, the art department mm-hmm. world, and the stage yeah. world, stage play world. Um, and so there's a lot of really exciting stuff to get into yeah. with the two of them. Talk about wearing many hats. I mean, Selena, actress, producer, set dress, and then Sofia, writer, producer, director. Like, the, yeah, that's a that's a lot for two people, man. Yeah. For the project to come out the way it does, like maybe there's something to that. Maybe it is better off keeping it a tight circle. Yeah. I, I mean, but you know, like how did they find great location, great car? Mm-hmm. How'd they find that? Just, yeah. Did one of them have that vehicle or right. did they find themselves in the right moment to actually get that vehicle yeah. and to get that stuff? Uh, I'm excited about asking all these questions, but before we get into all of that stuff, um, what's going on with the, What's going on with you? Did you have any good moments since we last recorded? We've got um, this is the play that I'm producing. Um, I don't know if I can say yet what it is, mm-hmm. but the play that I'm producing, we are looking at starting to look at locations now. We officially have the rights locked in, which is very exciting. Um, and so, of the locations we've been looking at, there is one in particular that is my dream location. Um, I was initially looking at warehouses, but there's one theater um, here in the east side that i think would be perfect cool uh and i just spoke with them the budget is is very doable and i'm supposed to go see that stage this week so uh tomorrow actually so nice dude so fingers crossed we'll see nice man that would be fucking amazing i'm excited for you yeah thank you so if, if, if everything goes well then um hopefully next january it'll be something that we can do there but we'll, we'll see how it all goes a lot of details like january meaning after december mm-hmm. this year yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fascinating so that's how long it's going to take you to put it all together well that's just when they have the next availability at that theater. Uh, yeah this is as soon as we could do we're rolling hi gina just walked gina, in gina. I, i'm telling gina i like her hat yeah See, so Gina, so for those of you who have only listened to this show and haven't listened to the other show, uh, I end up taking over most of the house to record these episodes. And Gina does such a good job of being as quiet as possible. And then she hits a moment like she's in right now. Tran! <laughs> where she, what up, Tran? <laughs> where all of my roommates come out of like the little like groundhog holes that I put them in. Yeah, and they so just sort of go... And they're like, <laughs> is it okay to start talking? Is it okay to be in the space? Um, you guys can be around. It's fine. Um, so uh, that's awesome, dude. Congrats. Yeah, Thank you. Thank on all that you. So stuff. we we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, that's really great. Um, What's been going on? With us, it's been, uh, what have I been doing? So a lot of work on the show, getting the shows going, because we have the two podcasts that are running at the same time. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put this out there. I'm going to do a slight bit of bitching. I, for anybody that has subscribed to either the show, uh, like the podcast Instagram or my personal Instagram, and I know there's a bunch of you out there, there's 150,000 people that have subscribed to see the stuff and Instagram only shows you, uh, only shows maybe 1200 people maybe on on like one of the more gory posts it'll show uh maybe 12,000 or 25,000 people Mm. out of 150 people so if you're somebody that follows me on instagram and doesn't see anything don't see our updates don't see our posts i highly recommend you sign up for our fan so for our super fans email stuff so if you go to inlovewiththeprocess.com uh, you can sign up for a super fan email blast 
And I can guarantee you, you'll get the news and you'll get the updates when the updates are coming out. I've been working very hard on doing our uh, a new email blast that's going to promote this show and the other show. The other thing that I'm putting together, which is a big news release, um, is that for anybody that is a super fan, anybody that has asked for 12KM, anybody that listens to the show that is signed up to be a super fan, I'll say that again, um, I am releasing who's there this month to those folks. So I I went through the process of putting everything together for it. Uh, It's all there. So the only way, um, there's two ways that you can see who's there. If you're a super fan, you don't have to jump through hoops. You're automatically in the club. Mm -hmm. I'll send you the links and all the information for it. Um, We're charging a small fee uh, on my, it's like two bucks. We're small, we're charging a small fee that will help go towards the show and everything else. Yeah. Um, but um, if you're not, so if you're a normie and you're not in the club, I'm going to make you jump through hoops. So anybody else that's out there is going to have to DM me, very similar to what happened with 12 Cam. They're going to have to DM me their three favorite demonic movies. And what is a demonic movie? Any movie that has the devil in it, any movie that has a demon in it, mm. any movie that has some sort of demonic possession in it. What are your three favorite? And if I agree with you and I like you, <laughs> then I will send you a link to be able to see who's there. There goes that Christian fan base. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's probably good I'm weeding them out. It's probably Just good. lost a lot of subscribers in Provo. <laughs> But uh, yeah, your favorite demonic movie. So um, that's kind of what's been going on. It's really not a right place, right time moment. It's just, there's been a whole lot of that stuff yeah. that's been happening behind the scenes. Well, I think it's good to, to embrace the reality that like, you know, they don't happen every week. Yeah. You know, life sometimes is just very vanilla. Yeah. And that's what makes those other moments special. Yeah. I've had a lot of wrong place, wrong place, wrong time shit that's going on. Oh yeah? What happened? Well, I mean, like, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> This is me just sort of like venting. Yeah. Uh, also found out, because we host this show on SoundCloud, mm-hmm. and that's where I host all my stuff. Also found out that SoundCloud's being a little fucking shady, and they're not necessarily giving us all the correct stats on SoundCloud. Uh... So maybe it's a right place, right time for me to actually move the show to a better podcasting service. But that Maybe is one the, less PNG icon to drop on Photoshop. That is the other thing too. Uh, keep in mind though, with all these things that are happening and all these changes, we are still hyper-focused on connecting with you as the audience mm-hmm. and it will not change on your RS feed or anything else. But there's a whole lot of behind the scenes stuff that's, that's happening right now um, that uh, will put the show in a better place and put me in a better mood. So we'll see. There you go. Lance is like, none of that, none of that was interesting. <laughs> I don't have a good poker face. I get lost staring. I like pick something on someone's face and I just stare at it and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. If you ever hear me go, that's crazy. I wasn't listening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I zoned out. Yeah. I, when you hear me go, interesting. Oh, okay. Not noted. Noted. Yeah. Gina gives me shit for that all the time. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I'm excited about today's show. So let's not uh, let's not hold back any longer on this. I know uh, the ladies are on the way, so um, uh, we'll be right back. All right, we're 
here. Guests are here. How how are you this morning? What's happening? I'm good. Uh, just, you know, had some tea, some food, ready to go. <laughs> Sufficient caffeination. Is- I'm Selena Bernstein. I am an actor, writer, producer. Mm-hmm. And I'm Sophie Samaroff. I'm the writer-director of Ride Baby Ride. Which I loved, by the I'm way. so yeah. glad to hear that. Yes. That's very cool. Yes, it was very, very cool. cool. Like... I don't know. Did you end up seeing our piece? Did you see Come Home? Did yeah. You? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So then you know we share a I lot love of that reaction. <laughs> we share a lot of aesthetical DNA. Yes. There's a lot of stuff, and and uh, I am a nerd for quite a few things that you do. So I'm a nerd for uh, car movies. I was a mechanic when I was a kid, so I spent a lot of time in garages, so I know that sort of thing. And there was moments where you were working on things where I went, okay, you kind of know what's going on instead of- <laughs> yeah. Well, we got really lucky with that. The The location came with this incredible uh, expertise. Our location manager was phenomenal, and he would just come up to us every once in a while and say, I think that- you might be able to do something with this That's piece. That's good. That Very good. He brought so much authenticity to. Um, yeah, his name was Scott, and yes. I think he um, maybe was it. I think it was his like dad who was a mm-hmm. mechanic as well. And actually, one of the amazing things that I mean, if, you know, we don't cut to it necessarily in the movie, but mm-hmm. his dad made him all these little like toys out of old car parts when he oh, was a right. kid <laughs> that we put kind of as little Easter eggs throughout the film. But he, yeah. he would just come out, wander out of his other storage areas with like a piece of, you know, some car part and just be like, you guys should use this. This is how it works. This is what she would be doing. Yeah. Um, which was just incredible. I, mm. I did not grow up working mm-hmm. in cars. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Yeah. I am uh, from New York. I didn't learn how to drive till I was like, I have to move to Los Angeles. You <laughs> <laughs> still learn like, on the drive over. I, yeah. I mean, pretty much I was like Ooh. within the first month of my having a license. Wow. Um, I still have my car that I bought on Facebook in order to drive to Los Angeles. Um, And that was a big source of inspiration for the movie because it does have some uh, pretty weird elements that I... I don't know how to fix, um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah every any, every movie anyone can help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so um, well, you know, in the spirit of our show, right place, right time. Let's yeah. ask that question: How did you? How did you get your hands on a the garage and b the car? Was that a right place, right time move for you? Like, how'd that happen? That was a huge. That was the big capital R right place, right time that that made this movie happen mm-hmm. um i i wrote this short kind of on a whim the day after my previous short premiered um because i was kind of my my first exposure to watching 12 hours of horror movies <laughs> at the <laughs> festival yeah. yeah came home was like okay i'm writing another wrote this movie uh sent it to selena we were like okay how the heck do we do this? I was looking at buying Craigslist cars <laughs> to, to deal with. It Not was the a, best idea. Yeah, actively a bad idea. <laughs> then we went to FilmQuest um, for our previous short, which was called Love is a Fire. And we met with the movie maker magazine mm-hmm. folks mm-hmm. there. Um, and... You know, we sort of had this pitch and we were talking to them about the movie and Deirdre McCarrick, who is one of the, you know, one of the people who organizes the um, the like production services gr- program that they do, immediately was like, I know the guy with the car. Like, oh, that's cool. And that's cool. 
He is this awesome guy named Tony, and he had this 1978 Camaro that was yeah. like completely decrepit, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was a miracle <laughs> that it made did it, it did it did it run. Yes. Yeah. He um, could make it run. Yeah, sure. <laughs> he could get it to run. Yeah, yeah. Now, is that the car that you had written into the script? Was the, that 70s Camaro? Or? I originally did a Bronco. I had like gotcha. a, a 70s Bronco was the intention. I wanted something kind of big and boxy, mm-hmm. um, but, you for know. For practical purposes. For practical. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But right, as right. soon as we saw pictures of this Camaro, we were blown away. Yeah. And, you know, there were just so many things about it that were so weird that really elevated our ability to make the movie. And and pretty much like as soon as Deirdre hooked us up with him, we were like, okay, now we can make it. Mm. Like there was, it went from being a fantasy to being a reality entirely off of that conversation. I think those are, those are really crazy moments, right? Cause um, as a director, I've had those moments for pretty much each and every one of my pieces, like where you come up with an idea and you go, Oh, I'm going to do a movie about a bunch of Russian Russian drillers from the 1980s. And you're like, okay, great. How, and, and I remember saying to myself, I'm not going to make this thing unless I can figure this thing out. And so the first thing I did was hunt for spaces. Like we went through like abandoned power plants. We went through all sorts of different spots looking for a place and it never really worked out. And then you always... It's the right place, right time thing. I knew this guy because I had done a short before and he had this warehouse and he let me have that warehouse for 30 days. And that was the thing that like wow. was the kicker. He's That's like, he, for free. So I had this warehouse for 30 days for free and I went, okay, I can I can now make this movie. Because was that, of that here in LA? No. So we were doing all that stuff back in Boston. <laughs> Got it. So uh, Gina, who you haven't met yet, but she's working over there. We moved here from uh boston four months to five months before the pandemic unfortunately wow. so great timing <laughs> yeah yeah we, we came here at least this prison was bigger and there was more room to move about in this prison but it's, yeah it was nice out <laughs> yeah yeah it was a big part of it yeah um but that's cool like I, listening to your story for that made me smile because mm-hmm. it is every time i set out to make a film it's like that Am I going to be able to pull this shit off? And, it, and I'm kind of lazy in the beginning too, because it's like, am I going to be able to pull this shit off easy? Mm-hmm. You know, is what I say all the time. We were talking earlier about locations and to tee off what Mike's saying, like for for getting the location that you have for this this film, was it a similar thing? Like, was it a lucky situation or right place, right time? So that was again spearheaded by Deirdre from Movie Maker. Um, we just found the location on. Um, was it Pure Space or? Yeah, I mean, Movie Maker has kind of a relationship with Gigster. So as soon mm. as they were like, we can get you the car, they were like, find, you know, ideally look for a location on Gigster. But, I, you know, it's tough because with locations, especially in L.A. where there's so much production, I think, you know, you it, it, it can really be a toss up, like whether or not you're going to work with people who are so down to support what the lower budget endeavor of our project was. Especially out here. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It just, it's so tricky. And we found this guy, Scott, who has this incredible ranch. I mean, we shot in one of like many different spaces and sets that he has. It was, it was wild and awesome. And he was so kind and like down to help us with all the car knowledge. Like it was just, that was a huge just gift to be able to find yeah. him. And he was the first location 
that we looked at. Like we sent yeah. it to Deirdre and they were, he was down for it. So, so hold on. This guy had a ranch and was he selling that as locations or was it like he just had a bunch of garages and you guys found a garage that worked? It's locations. It's very much like. Very LA. The, yes. Yeah, exactly. Very LA. <laughs> <laughs> so, so was it all production designed the way you needed it or did you, was it just like, here's a car garage and it was just sort of an empty space and then you had to production design the whole thing? Like what's how did it work out? What's amazing is that that space exists exists mostly as it is there so in the film there's this incredible checkerboard floor and basically what we did coming in was we curated what was Very cool. to be seen in the space and we took things away rather than adding in mostly um it was about controlling the color palette and uh figuring out what would make sense within the world of the character yeah um but he really has a beautiful space there that they take care of um, as if it is a set. But it's also a functioning g- garage for them. Oh, <laughs> yeah, his, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is uh, it his brother-in-law? Like, yes. he, his brother-in-law is like is actively fixing cars that, in that yeah. garage when, <laughs> oh, wow. when movies are not happening there. Well, it's funny, right? Because we have a lot of listeners that are from L.A. We have listeners from all over the place. And there's this weird thing when you come here to L.A. where you go into all these different spots and it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a car, it could be a car garage. It could be like a Swedish massage facility. But you go in and it's like, Hi, what is this? Oh, welcome to my convenience store slash film set. Hi, welcome to my parking garage slash film set. (laughs) (laughs) Only out here in Los Angeles is that a thing. And then we're just sort of, like you mentioned, we're just navigating the the price game of that, Mm -hmm. where it's just like, is Tom Cruise going to be here? It's $10,000 a day. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And I think the skepticism, I mean, I think, you know, you, there are totally people out here who like want to support the emerging Mm -hmm. filmmakers. Um, But I feel like it, it, you do, you, you want to find those people who are kind of down to support the production Mm -hmm. and your needs and, and also, you know, hope that it can be kind of a symbiotic relationship that, that is, is enjoyable for them too. So I, I feel like we, we really lucked out in that way. Well, it also helps that you have such great looking stuff. Right. So like you, there's, there's nothing worse than having to deal with the traumas of productions that come before you, right? (laughs) Where people come in and they promise the fucking world. And then, you know, the person is all like, well, I'm making movies, you know, and then they just decimate everything. And then the, 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 they don't get a copy of it. They don't see what it fucking looks like. And then it looks like trash. So it kind of helps that your stuff looks so great. I think. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, I would say, I feel like every time we would visit a location, we both Selena and I both worked in production design and where it's like, you're literally, you know, resetting the location after the fact. And we'd just be like, Mm. I swear on my life, I, (laughs) I will look, this will look exactly like, how yeah, <laughs> and actually, he was even like, "Oh, we'll keep some of the changes you made to the space. Like yeah. it looked so nice. great that you know worked out in that way." So shout out to our production designer. Is that how you guys met? Was through production design, or like how did you become friends and then become no. a working pair? We met in college, and uh, well, speaking of serendipity, we actually met um, on the pre, you know, the admissions weekend for. Mm. Uh, prospective students and the rest is history we worked together all throughout college both uh, on costumes production Mm -hmm. design 
as actor and director, as basically yeah. every iteration of those collaborations that you can see. Okay, so this is fascinating. Um, <clears throat> what was that first meeting like, and why did you guys connect on that first meeting? Hmm. <laughs> no, I love, I love the, the contemplative breath. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes it's <laughs> sometimes it's just circumstance, right? And. Yeah. I don't think in that moment we knew how important this relationship was going to be for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, we were part of a group of like four or five people that were just looking for other people to hang out with for a weekend. Mm. And um, and you guys were like displaced at that point, right? It, it was new. You're in a new, new environment. Yeah. Right, and you're looking for friends, and you're quickly trying to make that connection to get past that awkward. I'm alone. I'm not connected with anybody. Yeah, mm. but you know, I think that there must have been something special there because there are so many people that you meet in the you know first couple months of college that you may never speak to again, or you know the connection will just falter and it'll become a casual friendship. But I think there has to be something else. Some sort of deeper seeing eye to eye for that relationship to persist through time. I bring this up <clears throat> um, because I hear this all the time or I get asked this question all the time. Like, what is the, should I take, should I go to film school? Should I do the film school game? Should I do this sort of thing? And in the modern day of like, you can learn everything on the internet or go out and do stuff. The real power that I say for folks is just exactly what you guys went through, which is like some people need, uh, to be displaced and some people need to be thrust into a group of people that they don't know to form these bonds and form these friendships. And when I went to my film school in New York, it was the same deal. Like you walk into a space that's like, you know, you're meeting all these different groups of people, all these different personalities, and you have, you see how certain personalities stand up and other personalities are, you sort of weeding your way through it. Um, and uh, you end up finding these relationships in that sort of bonding experience that opened the door for it to be as powerful as it is for you too. Well, and I think especially when you're in a, a circumstance where it's like a very creative place, like, you know, we, I mean, we didn't start making films together. We, we started in, um, we were like in theater. We we're both theater majors <laughs> it, and uh, like, at, you know, our, our freshman year, we wanted to do a play and like Selena had this incredible reputation already like after only a semester on campus as like being the person who makes dreams happen like literally just <laughs> wow. like That's could magic anything and <laughs> she stage managed which <laughs> hire Selena for acting and writing she's an amazing stage manager as well and producer and everything but it was like she just made this show happened that, mm -hmm. that was incredible. And, and I think we like found in, in that process, just a, a shared language of creating stuff together. And I feel like literally since then I have called Selena on like every single creative question or, or thought or anything. And, um, and then since we left that program and we all moved to LA together, we, we have a, other friends kind of within our our crew who we've worked with a ton um and now have been kind of working in this capacity as director and actor and producing together it's it's been um yeah just like a, a continuation of mm. just like 
being able to like make stuff happen together yeah i think that's like the whole game too is like you find find those people early on like even how mike and i met is very right place right time like i was in acting class a gal knew of a job he was doing and was like hey i think you'd be great for this thing and i was like finally acting work <laughs> and i show up and he's like all right uh you're gonna be a groom's and i'm gonna have you stand over there and i was like okay <laughs> I get my little spot. I'm just like watching all this go down. And like, I had not seen anything at that, <laughs> at that level yet. Right. Like again, mostly theater background. And so watching this guy work and do this thing, I was like, holy shit. And so we ended up hitting it off and becoming friends. And this has been like almost a, a decade now. Right. All because like somebody in my acting class was like, oh, I think you should go, you should email this guy and do this thing. All right. Yeah. You know, and like those things form the bonds, even like the group of friends that you have, like very similar with us. Like we have our group of people that we always go to because like you enjoy being on set with them. You enjoy being in the mud with them. I would argue, though, that uh, it wasn't that you were on that shoot that made our bond happen because <laughs> being an asshole fucking commercial director at that time, I wouldn't have even remembered you on that shoot because there is so much stuff going on. I like on. how I told that story. <laughs> <laughs> well, then what was it that made the he reached out and you were like remember because you were like Let's, yeah i want to get a beer i want to yeah. hang out and you made the effort to do that which i thought was great and yeah. as a because at that time i was running a production company my, my mindset was much different and so i then had an actor being like hey i want to hang out with you and that was sort of kicking into my insecurities as a director who was trapped in the fucking commercial world and was mm -hmm. trying to make his way out of the commercial world. I and I go, yeah. And so I'm like, oh, this is good. Like there's an actor reaching out to me. This is a moment that I just go, yeah, even though if I'm busy or if there's a hundred mm -hmm. other things that I hate fucking doing that I'm stuck doing anyways, this is a good opportunity for me not to do that stuff and to go hang out. So yeah. you making that decision and you pushing that yeah, man. really put you in a different light. Cause when we hung out, it's so funny. I don't even remember you in that fucking commercial. Yeah. <laughs> so like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really good at background. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big thing and there was a lot of shit going on, yeah, but yeah. I remember you more from our first meeting at the, it was an expensive beer too. I lived in Hartford at the time. I had to take a bus to Boston. Wow. Oh my God. And then my bus was late. Yeah. So I was sprinting up the street. I've told this on here before, but not I'm on this show. It. Yeah. You can tell it. I sprinted up the street from the, from uh, South station to, he, he was at a place in Chinatown. I'm like running my ass off. I don't quite know where the place is. I don't know Boston like that yet. And I get to where I think the place is. I'm at the corner. I know the entrance is right around here. I stop. I'm like, okay, let me just catch my breath. And I go in here nice and cool. Come on. And I walk in, hey, Mike, how you doing? Sorry, I'm late. <laughs> Playing it all off like goddamn bus, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But that was yeah. the moment that uh, we became yeah, man. early buddies was at that moment. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And then since then, you've been trying to convince me to be on screen with your face yeah. showing for years. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Yeah, we have, we've had this running joke for a long time because every movie that we've done has been me as like a body part. <laughs> so like the first one, I was wearing a helmet. The second one, I was a shadowy figure. <laughs> then... Meanwhile, you're meanwhile you're a very accomplished actor. You've worked with Denzel Washington. You've done all this really great stuff. And I'm like, Lance, put this helmet on. Just go through the whole thing. Lance, can we get your hands in here? Yeah, yeah. Is that good? More or less? We yeah. had a very similar experience, actually. Very matched journey. In in my thesis in film school, Selena was the production designer and costume designer and those were no small tasks. She built all the costumes and built a standing set. It was like a period sci-fi mm. movie. Whoa. It was, it was insane. <laughs> um, and then 
she was also every single person's body double. Yeah. <laughs> so if you watch it carefully, you'll notice like her hands and then also her shadow walks by and hopefully... I'm also the PA announcement. Yes. Uh, yeah. I still remember my line. Labor alert, South Wing. <laughs> Very good. I La- like labor alert. Like drinking yeah. game, watching yeah. bingo kind of thing. What kind of future get- is what kind of future is this? Jobs are in the South Wing. <laughs> Danger. Well, the different kind of uh, labor. Oh. Yeah. oh, I got it. Yeah. Okay. So for you, Selena, the transition from going um, it sounds like you started out film school doing production design, costuming, or did acting come first? It, it's interesting because before going to college, I was definitely more focused mm-hmm. on acting, but I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I'll do some, you know, maybe I'll go into, you know, performing arts or maybe I will do science. I, I had absolutely no idea. And, um, and I wanted to act when I first got to college, but I I just didn't get into any, like I didn't um, get into any plays my first semester. And so I decided I just wanted to be involved in whatever way mm-hmm. I could. And so I took this assistant stage manager position and that's really what everything sprung from. I All my relationships, um, all of just the opportunities that came to me in college after that. And then my sophomore fall, I ended up getting a role in the faculty show because in parallel to all that, I was still continuing to audition. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, in the spring, I had just been too busy to take any of that on. So So, what's a faculty show? uh, So that our school had one faculty show a semester, which is basically the main stage show that is put on by the theater department. Mm. Um, and everything else was student theater, completely run by the students, done gotcha. independently. And so doing the faculty show was a bit of a bigger deal. Um, and Right, because you're working under professionals at exactly. that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, you know, a director that comes in from New York and will do mm. that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And... It just reminded me that that was what I wanted to be doing. That was yeah. the whole point, mm-hmm. the reason I got into all this. I, I find that, I don't know if anyone, any of you will relate to this, but I have these moments when when I'm acting or I'm also a painter when I'm painting. So these moments where all of a sudden there's a total sense of clarity. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I am doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And I feel like those are the moments that motivate me to carry on forward. And so that I feel like from that feeling, that reminder of this is the point, this is the thing, that's where everything else has sprung from. A hundred percent. And it's like, <laughs> I'm always calling it the crack. Mm-hmm. I, you you hit a point where you hit that, um, what's the term for it? Sports players use it too. You you hit that. Like in the pocket? The pocket, yeah. You hit that sort of glide where everything just seems to be working perfectly. You're firing on all cylinders. You're hitting that cruise control and yeah. you're just sort of riding it out. I love that. And uh, I have been fortunate enough to have that a few times in my life. And every time I have that now, 
Um, I sit there and I go, this is why I'm like a crack fiend that's like begging and clawing and pushing my way just to get right back here into this little pocket of space. It's, yeah. I mean, that's why we put up with all the horrible oh. bullshit oh. Yes. for those moments. <laughs> yes. To be yes. able to have that flow state again. Yeah. 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 I, I love those states. And I was very fortunate <clears throat> to have it when I did. Um, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show. I, I had it when I did uh, my my film 12 cam, which is the big Russian one. Yeah. And so that was a bigger shoot. We had 30 extras. We had like this big thing, all this stuff, steady cam, multiple things. And uh, we were like day three and I had cast my dad <laughs> to be one of the scientists. And so the whole movie is in Russian. My dad doesn't know how to speak Russian. And so he's trying to, he's, he's looking at me. He's like, how do I know when my cues are supposed to, how do I know when I'm supposed to turn around? He's like, I don't understand the language. I go, just go with it. Just go with it. I was just giving him shit because he's my dad. And so he was there and uh, I love that he's in it. It's great to see him do his bit. But after we did this day, it was a big fucking day. And I was feeling really good about myself. It's one of those moments where you sit there and you go, man, I did all right today. You know, and most of the time you're, you're beating yourself up. Most of the time it's like I fucked up. And so I had this moment where I go, man, I did, I did okay. And my dad who, you know, is my dad. I've looked up to him for years. He, he comes over to me and he's very quiet about it. And he goes, I never knew what this job was. And I saw you do this job. And I can't believe how you have the ability to get all these people to do what it is that you need to do. He's, I'm incredibly proud of you and your work. And so it was like one of those moments that you didn't know you needed or wanted, that you just had this reaffirmant. And he's like, this is what you're meant to do. And I was like, okay. And so like that little bit of armor that I got from that helped me get through like three years of insanity Yeah, was that little moment. So no matter what it is that you do, those of you listening at home, whether you cook or whether you, uh, you know, paint or whatever it is that you do, if you can find that space, then it really helps you get through all the reasons why it's hard to get through everything else. Yeah, and that validation can be really helpful to like, to just knowing that you're like you're in the right place that like what you've chosen to do is is the right thing. You're you're when you're feeling that flow and you're like this tells me I'm where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Do you do you feel like that with, with directing and producing or what's your experience been like with it? Yeah, I mean, I I just, I loved hearing, all, just listening to all you guys describe. It's a very heartfelt episode. Beautiful I mean, yeah. very, stories. Very tender. I, mean, I think it's, it, you know, I feel like when, especially when you're producing your own stuff and it's so grueling and often self-financing, like all these things that you're just like, is this really what I should be doing with everything that I have? Mm -hmm. And there are absolutely moments, I think, every time that I shoot something and that I feel like, okay, like this, this literally, this second is the reason why I wanted to be here. And I feel like there were totally moments in Ride Baby Ride when, when we got there, just like one comes to mind, especially um, as Selena's kind of breaking out of the car, which was mm. like this incredible insane experience of like every single moving part and all the hardest elements to get together for this specific shot like our breakaway glass broke right before we shot it we had no <laughs> idea how <coughs> selena was gonna hold it up and mm -hmm. selena the incredible uh actor and producer that she was was like just give me the glass i'll make it work make we your dreams camera. come true <laughs> yeah literally making dreams come true That's every single person is holding their breath 
including me, every behind the scenes of me in that moment is like fists and like nails. (laughs) (laughs) But just seeing this like incredible moment of her breaking free, which is like the, 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 the feeling that I was chasing with, with making this movie in the first place, um, you know, translated even in that second. And it's so hard, I think, think to find those kernels when you're shooting and mm. when you're directing. Like, I feel like mm. so much of the job is is finding the kernel in every take and being like, okay, I've got the ingredient that I'll mm-hmm. put in later. And there's mm-hmm. so much noise and chaos around it. And, and I just remember all of us, like, being blown away in that moment and, like, our crew applauding and just being like, all right, we did it. And, and for me, it, so much of it is in addition to chasing obviously the story that we were setting out to tell it's also building the community and the family that that brings joy to the process that's so difficult 100%. and mm-hmm. i think especially when you get to work with someone who you've worked with for such a long time you you get to have that shorthand and and bring that energy of like friendship and love to the process at the onset but also having spent the years cultivating the relationships with our crew and all these other people who we worked with to make this movie, some old friends, some new faces, we, I felt were really able to find a, a family in the process of it. And, and to me, that's equally as important to giving you that feeling of like the clarity of the yes. experience. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That family thing is so fucking important. And like, just, I say this on the other show all the time. Like when I do stuff, I don't make movies. My primary goal isn't to make a good movie. My primary goal now is to have a good experience. And I feel like if I set my goal to have a good experience, then the byproduct of that is a great movie. And I think part of making it a good experience is just like putting on a party or putting on a barbecue. You're Mm -hmm. inviting the right people. You're inviting the folks that you want to have there, but you're also inviting folks that know how to pivot. You're inviting folks that know how to deal with things. And then you just, the longer that I've been doing it, the more I've sort of let go of the stress of like, all right, I need to fill these fucking positions and I got to find this person. I got to find that person. Now it's just like, who do I know? Who do, who do my friends know? that I'm being introduced to that can handle these things. And then instead of me being a dictator and trying to control the uncontrollable, we all now get to turn and face the storm together. And in that, with all the preparation that we do is our job, in that storm is all that sort of really cool sort of improvisation that shows up, like these cool decisional decisional moments that you make (laughs) where you're just like, hey, uh, no, like what if we you know, don't shoot it this way. And what if we shoot it this way? Because that's really cool. Or like the guy who's at the car shop comes in and gives you advice on how to do specific action and direction. And I'll tell you what, man, like I'm a stickler for that shit. And I'm a stickler for giving actors things to do that actually look like they're doing something. And that authenticity that you got from that moment because when I started watching it, I go, here's the moment. They, they either found a garage with a car in it, and they're going to play around in this garage mm-hmm. with a car in it, or I'm with somebody who works in this garage. Yeah. And when I saw you in that space, and I saw you working on that stuff, and how you were set up, I'm like, all right, so she obviously works on cars. So that mm-hmm. suspension of disbelief was instantaneous because of that. Well, I love that that came through. I think the other part of bringing that authenticity was the opportunity that we had to explore and get to know the car Mm -hmm. ahead of the shoot. Mm -hmm. Um, We had two, we had 
one time where we just kind of scouted it and um then we actually did a little previs where we you know shot a couple of sequences and worked through them to um tailor the script and the ideas that sophie had on the page to the car specifically mm. and we really looked at it and we were like okay what is this car bringing to the film mm -hmm. and how can we incorporate that and so one key moment is the window crank falling off it's just that mm -hmm. that window crank would fall off yeah, so that's like, can we do something it was not attached no. <laughs> <laughs> we had to lift the window by sticking our hands into the car door Yes. 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 Being a guy that has spent so much time working on that stuff, I, I get it. I get it. That's why I don't have one of those project cars right now. Like, they're just a fucking nightmare. Oh, the window's oh. not going to work today. Great. Yep. Yeah. I think the key was also welded into the ignition. Oh, yeah. yeah. What? what? That key was That's not going wild. anywhere. No. Cannot be taken out. But luckily, the car starts... 30% of the time. So, it's not so you have like a 70% yeah, chance of it getting yeah. stolen, maybe. <laughs> yeah. We did have to push it from the outside location into the garage, but yeah. What made you go with this car? Because you had, I'm, I'm just got to figure this out because you had written it on a Bronco and you get a car with a key welded in that starts sometimes you have to push it and it's falling apart. What sells you? Like, what makes you go, this is the one? I mean, it needed to be decrepit. And you yeah. know, it's hard, like movie, movie people who have their movie cars, I feel like. They're, 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 they're pristine. They're yeah. their dream cars still. Yeah. And yeah. if you want to alter it or make your adjustments, it's like an insurmountable amount mm -hmm. of money to deal yeah. with a real movie car that yeah. I'm asking them to, you know, rig the windows so that she can break out of it and things like yeah, that. It, yeah. it was just, we, we explored it and it just was, so much and it, it was just a fun puzzle i mean going back to i feel like how we started the discussion about just like writing the thing that's impossible like to me that's such a big drive as a writer and director like mm. the the challenge and the like literally how do i do this like yeah. i i wrote it and had no idea how we were gonna do it and I mean, there was there were other weird things about the car. The bottom of the car is fully rusted through. <laughs> like there are there is an eight inch hole underneath the gas pedal that they have gorilla tape yeah. over so that you can drive it. <laughs> gorilla tape. <laughs> it would be a Flintstones car, if not the gorilla tape. But like that hole was where we rigged blood coming out of the yeah. bottom. Just oh, that like, was a nice shot too. It worked. Yeah, like was great. <laughs> when you have a gaping hole underneath the gas pedal, yeah, use it. <laughs> <laughs> was that uh was, was was that the moment or was there a moment where you realized like it's not impossible anymore that this can't happen it's gonna happen yeah i mean i think the previs was a really big part of yeah figuring out how we make the movie like and uh, sorry but yeah. previs did you guys just like run through this through the space with like a small camera and shoot a bunch of stuff and then try to figure it out yeah we did it like just uh, in a where the car was being stored, which was just on Smart. like an exterior of some movie ranch. Like our previs is really goofy, but it's yeah. it's like Selena miming everything <laughs> except the car. <laughs> it's it's its own little weird experiment to watch. <laughs> That's the one you go back to Film Quest with next year. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, that we we solved. I feel like a lot of the the remaining mm. questions, and I think part of our theater background, like we we love the rehearsal process mm -hmm. and like getting into a room and, mm -hmm. or just on our feet and finding it and 
I really like writing things of Selena in a room alone doing stuff. <laughs> and yeah. it was, uh, yeah, yeah there's a lot to figure out from that perspective. I also think that sometimes the commitment to making it work comes first and then figuring out how to do it mm-hmm. has to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, th- I feel like there were still things up until the day where we were like, we'll figure out how to do that. Like uh, the moment where uh, I get locked in the car, the just the lock coming down, we were like, I wonder how we're going to do that. And it ended up being just the most obvious thing of like, oh, well, there's a key hole mm-hmm. on the outside of the car and you just, yeah, someone yeah. will turn it and yeah. it'll be fine. And, you know, we'd come up with all these potential alternate plans for that and for the moment where, you know, my arm gets lassoed by the seatbelt and sometimes the solution just presents itself to yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. It's in those solutions that I love to play. Like it's in that game of like sort of practical figuring things out. I mean, that's our whole movie. Come home is all practical yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like it's, it's that game of like, is this going to be reversal footage? Is this going to be, um, uh, just super detail oriented stuff like and and the camera movements and I feel like in our genre uh, the audiences love that shit like the audience love to be a part of us figuring out how to make magic on screen and I think that's why practical stuff is yeah. really speaks to me because it's not only uh, making it fun and magical for the audience but it's also fun and magical for us on yeah. set and on the crew and when you figure that out and you go i just turn the fucking key yeah then that shot just looks like a million bucks to you because you're sitting there going look the fucking lock's going up and down and it's like <laughs> the most obvious thing but you know you figured out the math on how to do it and that's when i i feel like whenever you hear the old uh, filmmakers go it's movie magic you know and you go that's what movie magic is is that yeah. stupid shit like they'll turn the key and the lock goes up and down and yeah. there's a ghost now and people love that shit even like the people have watched come home the, the the first one of the main things always gets talked about is like oh the chain thing just, did you guys do that like in reverse like and everyone everyone figures it out pretty quickly sure, but sure. they love that they figured it out they feel really good like oh yeah i knew it that's so sick like yeah you can feel the excitement and it's nice to receive that enthusiasm for your piece yeah man well, yeah and for our piece we had a lot of we had a lot of fun doing it. And we shot that like literally in the small garage out back here. So yeah. it was nice having that location all the time so that I would just sit in that room and cut it. And then I'd go, Lance, the scene, let's, can we shoot some more? And then yeah. he'd come and we'd just go shoot some more. So altogether, how long was that process? We shot two days initially. Yeah. And then we had um, a, a day at the tank. And then we actually, no, the day at the tank, we also shot the evening here. Yeah, so, so then we like we did the bathroom stu- we did the bathroom hall stuff here, which is yeah. the hall stuff, <clears throat> and then a bunch of pickups. Like I would just re- like go out there and with my macro stuff and go, okay, great, let's go do the soldering stuff or let's go do the. Mm-hmm. So it was very, it was very relaxed as far as uh, maybe five days. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I wish I could do all my movies that way. I wish yeah. I could just edit and then go cool. All right, cool. Let's go continue. Yeah, that's a luxury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the best, man. And it ends up making it better. It ends up making it more textured, more detailed. And then as you're sort of building out these sequences and you're putting music in and you're working with your composer, you're like, Ooh, actually, if we go shoot this thing. And then like 
all the macro stuff of the uh the aa coin that was all shot like here and then you just get a macro lens and a light and you just oh like the lights this footage of me shooting like all the light inserts which was in here on an apple box and i just run from the edit system and go okay okay put them on a dimmer get all the filaments and then go okay put them in the system it's fun it's like at that point you're not dealing with all the other bullshit which is like a locations manager going well we, if you're here past five o'clock yeah. you know it's gonna cost yeah. you you know three months rent and you're just like fuck yeah and so you start losing all those like really important uh textures that are your voice like voice textures those all sort of fall away and then you're just concentrated on just getting content and making sure that you get the coverage and i fucking hate that i hate when it's a coverage game i feel like i noticed that was pretty consistent throughout your work that you're so interested in those details and yeah i feel like that it it really comes through as your perspective, just through those like mm. itty bitty little moments. I love that. I mean, it's weird because I didn't occur to me that that's how I see the world until I started to make movies. Mm. Still, I started to put them together. But like, if I go back, we went back to Boston a few years ago and, uh, I just walked through my childhood neighborhood. I happened to be driving through, which I moved out of years. It was like a lifetime ago. And I just, walked through it and i remember walking on the sidewalk and walking along this fence and walking along all this stuff and i remembered all these specific details like a specific crack that ran over the sidewalk the way that the chain sounded on the fence when you ran your hand down it like that's basically how i clock mm -hmm. everything and so i if i'm in a space that i feel weird or awkward about i'm always looking at the details of that mm -hmm. space and it's sort of almost like the fucking Roomba sort of maps out a room it's kind of the same thing for me <laughs> I map out like a room of the emotional context <laughs> of the space. Yeah. So that's where that comes from. I think mm. it's so effective in placing your audience though. I think in it too, mm. like you just feel everything when you bring us into it, which I think is such a, well, from a production, cause you guys come from production design. I love what I love about production design is that it's an emotional roadmap. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I love the most about a movie is in the first two minutes, it's like going to a stranger's house. And you walk into their house and you look around and you go, why would they pick these colors on the walls? <laughs> or like you look at the coffee table and it's just loaded with all this texture. It's just like, oh, they get a subscription to that magazine, like all that kind of shit. And I think that's why the first two minutes of a movie are the most exciting for me because you're just walking into a stranger's house and you're seeing it from someone else's perspective and it's super cool. And then the rest of the movie, you're just trying to like catch the audience up. And then you're in the third act and you're like, I got to make fucking sense of this shit. But like prior to that, you're just like, this is cool. And if a whole movie could be that discovery, I'd be fucking amped about it. You know, That's such yeah. a beautiful way to put it. Yeah. You guys did a great job with that in the beginning too, the movie. Cause like you, you get this, you see these two guys and like, you have this bit of you with the car and you clearly know what you're talking about. And these guys, you just, just like the sleazy feeling off them. And there's already like this sense and this tone that you guys have down pat that you pay off so well when you get in there. Like w what's that process of, of like figuring that out for you? It was interesting. I mean, we, it, that was definitely a scene that changed a ton mm. by the, the nature of the process. Yeah. Um, we originally it it was 
had a lot more going on and, you know, more words and, and all that. And I, I love cutting dialogue and yeah. on set, in post, I love it. Yeah. It's my favorite, favorite thing. Me too. Um, me too. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Um, but I, uh, yeah, we, we were shooting and, and honestly, there were just a lot of production challenges of that day. Mm. It was our first day. There was like so much to figure out and we were running behind and lost a lot of what was on the page. But, um, you know, we kind of knew the the important thing to convey about that scene was, you know, Selena being self-assured and, and able to execute kind of her vision with mm. this Camaro and that these guys are having none of it and hopefully we don't really like them yeah, <laughs> in, yeah. in the process of no. what, are you, what are you talking about i thought those guys were just wonderful dude <laughs> it's the, the insert of the mouth too yeah though. i was like ew ew that's just, the sound is so the sound good it's so gross really though yeah. yeah 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 they were great actually the the younger guy he uh he's the guy who owns the car he's tony really yeah, yeah. All right, sorry, right, screen great. time. He was good. Yeah, he's, he was bringing, awesome. he's bringing all sorts of real world experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was delightful. Fictional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those were fun. We actually, we did originally a <laughs> little bit of insight into the process. I'm thrilled that this is not in the final movie, but we did flirt with the idea of the car speaking and recorded <laughs> these guys <laughs> saying like weird stuff that yeah. we were going to oh, yeah. turn into like engine revving sounds. And that oh, that's was kind a, of interesting though. Yeah, it, it was fun. I mean, we played with it. I, I think it just ended up being a little too literal. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah gotcha. It was fun, but that, that was a, another wacky element. Of our yeah, <laughs> but also kudos and credit to the editing, right? Because that's a real mm -hmm. sign of uh, a great filmmaker and a great artist is is knowing <clears throat> when to cut and knowing when to cut away and knowing how to cut these things out. And uh, we all have these ideas. We all have because it's all on fucking page and you don't know what it is. And when I first started doing stuff, I was kind of ashamed of my dumb ideas and I was kind of like, mm, these are kind of stupid. But then you realize that the process of you doing something would, it's like overbearing or just like on the nose. There's usually some sort of weird detail that I find in that process where I go, okay, this was stupid, but this little accidental thing that we did is cool. Like we did that and come home where, we were doing voiceover work and I just got on the mic because I had an actor who was trying to figure it out. And I just got on the microphone. And I was like, I'm going to be a demon. And so I did, oh, yeah, 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 I yeah. did all the demon shit. And then, uh, my sound guy was like, let me slow that down. And he slowed it down really slow. And it was like, fuck, that's super that cool. Insane. And awesome. so then that started to get mixed in with the chains and it's mm -hmm. super subtle and it's super specific, but, um, it's a weird little detail that you find through the process of, saying something dumb into a microphone and being like, yeah. you know, just being like, like willing to make mistakes and, and fail in the process. Like, yeah. I feel like the yeah. best advice I got when I first moved out here and was like trying to make shorts and everything was this filmmaker who's a friend of mine said, you know, just have one, one tangible goal to get out of every project. Like I want to learn how to do this one thing because mm -hmm. that's what it is. I mean, we're, there's so much pressure to make wow. your perfect short. that's mm -hmm. going to mm -hmm. open every door and change your life. But the reality of it is it's, you know, you get to 
enjoy the, those moments of clarity in the process of making it and hopefully mm-hmm. learn something new every time. And I feel like, I don't know, it's just fun when you are able or when you don't feel that crushing pressure and can just be like, I'm just going to mess about and like figure out my yeah. ideas. And- Especially if you're doing shorts, like a hundred percent. I just, I, I did a podcast yesterday with a young director who was on the show and he said to me, He's in Vegas, so he'll know who I'm talking about. Uh, he said to me, he goes, uh, look, after we got off the show, he goes, I'm trying to I'm trying to put together a team. I'm trying to put together a crew, and I'm looking for a producer. And I said to him, why are you looking for a producer? And he goes, because I'm not good at it. I'm not good at producing. I'm not good at any of this stuff. And I said to him, like, well, okay. And he goes, so h- how do you suggest I make movies? How do you suggest I get to this? And I go, okay, well, you could go out there and hunt for some random fucking producer, right? And it's going to be real difficult because most random producers who don't know you and didn't come up with you are looking for some sort of return on their fucking time. And it's relentless to be a producer. It's unforgiving. The amount of time and the energy, I could see you shaking your head. Yes. (laughs) It's, it's, It's fucking relentless. And so... I said to him, okay, you can sit around and wait and try to go out and network and do stuff with the producer, but chances are you're going to find someone that doesn't give as much of a shit as you do or someone that's going to take advantage of you. I said, or you could not be lazy and learn how to communicate and produce and do stuff. And he's like, well, how do I do that? And I said, don't put on the big show. Don't make something that is going to change your fucking world and going to get you signed. I said, take it small. Like if you, if you have access to your house, shoot a scene in your house and then do something with makeup mm-hmm. and then find a makeup person and do something with that makeup person and have that weekend's job be you learning how to communicate and connect with a makeup person and hopefully make a connection to them. Then go on to the next thing, meet a sound person, and then do the next thing. And I find that I've been doing this almost 25 years now as a producer and as a director, and it really is that. It's each job you do, mm-hmm. you go, hey, I now know how to do shit with cars. I now have a connection to a guy that's got a garage. I now have this. And I think if you're you're smart, I think if you're looking at it from that perspective and saying, like, this isn't... Because it's, it's all the fucking bullshit yeah. stories that we build around what we think this career is supposed to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I've convinced myself to make a short, and it's going to win an Academy Award. <laughs> and now I'm going to get yeah. into a room, and I'm going to pitch my idea for the feature. And they're going to go, you did such a good job of the short film. Here's all this money. You know? And you're just like, <laughs> There's the dream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'll happen. Yeah. That's the fucking right place, right time. <laughs> but I, I love the thing you're talking about, especially like how you, you make those connections. Right, like, like you guys said, you got the car guy now, right? Because then life goes on, you get to that other job later on, and maybe you're producing somebody else's piece, or you're acting in someone else's piece, or you're set dressing, and they go, We just need a fucking car, like, we need a place where we can get, like, that's got a car, we need this, we need like somewhere where you know, like, it's got a couple options. You go, I know a guy, yeah, mm-hmm. and I love that feeling, like, yeah. just, just knowing, like, ah, like the, the other night, um. Uh, Becca had my car my girlfriend Becca had my car downtown and someone broke into my car really busted the window out they were, they were downtown using my car Prius a lot of space using it to like uh, load out someone just busted the window out took the, her little suitcases out ran off oh that's a like, big thing downtown fuck. that's a big thing yeah downtown sucks but I'm sitting there I was like okay well let me see what it's gonna be for the insurance so I go through the insurance thing and I'm looking at the numbers and I'm like this is fucking expensive and it dawns me I'm like wait I know a fucking guy Mm-hmm. And there's this guy that I had found years ago out here to repair a window. Mm-hmm. If I look him up, up, oh, got him. 
Call him. Yep, comes over half the price. Sends a guy that day. Two hours later, my window's totally fine. Everything's going back to normal. And Becca hits me. And she's like, "Hey, uh, you got that number to that that window guy, right?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, he's good. Yeah, yeah, fucking love him. Great guy. Alex is awesome." She says, "Well, the locations manager car also got broken that night, so his window's broken too. Can you give me the number?" Yeah, let's send that guy over too. And it's that thing, like ah, like for this guy. Not having the information, you got to go do all that research, figure it out. You probably just go, oh, fuck it. I'll just go through the insurance and spend the extra money. Who cares? But knowing this one person, yeah, having that thing, everything. that that card to pull on, man, it's such a game changer. And, and even in our industry, I think the same thing. And then to bring the show back to like right place, right time mm-hmm. stuff, it's like, let's focus on how you know that person. It's because you have made the decision and i'm lazy is not the right word you've made the decision to be open to go out and and find something you've made the decision because we all hit that point right where you have to do the hard fucking legwork and there's like that one thing on a on a movie that you're like like i gotta go find a fucking underwater tank you know what i mean it's like that's the thing that we're gonna do and then you are like all right i have to put myself out there i have to open my mind to being aware and ready to do this and even though it feels like a grueling sometimes unforgiving task of looking for these things i find that the most difficult things to find as long as i change my mindset and i go let me just start talking to people about this Mm -hmm. and calling up people and just being like anybody and and literally it was my fucking roommate who came in and he was just like dude uh because gina was the one saying you should do underwater tank stuff because she saw our original cut yeah. for come home and she goes i think you need more you should do some underwater and i go i don't want to literally this was me going i don't want to yeah <laughs> yeah i don't want to find a fucking underwater tank and yeah. i gotta go do the whole underwater fucking tank thing like that literally was my mode and then we were just hanging out and my roommate came in and he was like dude i produced a music video with underwater tank and i go how much was that shit though he was like hmm, 150 an hour like what? And he goes, yeah, it's place downtown. I go, and I can just go there for a few hours. He goes, yeah. Cool. I get a text message. Can you swim? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you just open your mind up to it. You sort of get through that sort of grumpy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love, I I love being that person that can connect things. On our previous short film, Love Is a Fire, um, the two actor, there's two actors in that film. One of them is me, and one of them is this guy Kenny who the whole reason we were able to cast him in that film is that two years previous I had been helping to cast a different short film and he came in and auditioned for that and I thought he was amazing and he he didn't end up being right for that project and he he had no way of knowing that I had remembered him and written down his contact Mm -hmm. information. But I was saving him because I was like, I know he's going to be perfect for something at some point. Mm -hmm. And he is great. And we're just waiting for that right time. And it was the right time eventually. There you go. That's great. I mean, that's... That's what sucks about being an actor is that that's really uh, what it all is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, that's really what your career is. Yeah. Your career is hoping that you randomly go in mm. to a casting call where someone where you really don't have a chance in hell of getting the fucking role anyways, because you're a blue couch and they're looking for a red couch, yeah. mm. but you go in there and you deliver something. And then someone like you has that moment where they go, 
and I'm nobody. You know, I mean, mm. I'm not like You're a nobody. powerful <laughs> casting director. I'm just some person who was making something and was like, oh, you know what? He would be right this time. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think you're not, you're not nobody. Sure, but I just mean in the scheme of the industry, you know, there are people when you walk into a room, you're thinking those are the game changers. That's the person that can change my life or whatever. And I'm not somebody that can, you know, change anybody's life, but I am somebody who cares and who is genuinely looking for the great people I see all the time and who remembers them. But, but that is the that's, that's Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, let's continue to sort of break that down because yeah. I think at the end of the day, whether you're us or you're fucking Joel Silver, yeah. like if you have a hole that you're trying to fill, if you have a gap in it, you're just out there looking anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so just to have the wherewithal to be in this because our business is so fucking small, like to be in this business and just be like, all right, great. This guy's really great. Because even if you're not that casting person, you may go out uh, on a date with somebody at a place and then suddenly they show up with, mm -hmm. like we have a stylist friend of ours who ended up at a dinner with Keanu fucking Reeves and he's there at the table yeah. and they're all having this conversation together and he Keanu may be like, I've got this weird thing that I'm trying to fucking do. Yeah. And then you're mm -hmm. at the table going, dude, I, this is this guy, you yeah. know? Yeah. That's how our business works. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's essentially, it's like you making that right place, right time for that person, right? Because even if you're like, oh, like, I'm not changing this person's life, I'm just going to cast, but I'm going to cast them in this thing because they're finally, I got something that's right for them. But you don't know who sees that thing that you put them in. Yeah. You know, it's like, what was that story, like Vin Diesel's first short film uh, that he made? Uh, it was loosely based off of him being a bouncer in LA. Right. Spielberg sees it later on, puts him mm. in, I think, Saving Private Ryan or something. Yeah. Right. Mm. And it's like, well, did the producer who decide to like, yeah, Vin, I'll come on and make you, I'll help you make your short film. Did they think they were going to change this guy's life? Maybe not. But by helping make that movie, they did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it, you're absolutely right. I, I think it's just, I, I like to think of it in terms of, if I'm doing this and giving these opportunities, even as, you know, someone mm. who might not have the reach to make huge things happen yeah. for people, I I like to think that a lot of other people are doing the same thing as well. And I, hopefully you build a community of those people who are genuinely out there looking for someone and trying to build something bigger. Well, I think that's the most valuable community to yeah. be part of like i feel like you want to find the people who genuinely love and appreciate your work and aren't viewing it as opportunistic or servicing mm -hmm. a certain need but mm -hmm. just like we you know like this is someone i should be creating with and yeah. wherever you know that means that wherever you go you want to take them with you and and hopefully vice versa but i mean i feel like that kenny was like so perfect for that role it was yeah insane that that worked out especially because we were like casting in COVID and couldn't even do auditions and we're relying <laughs> on literally a google drive folder that had these tapes that from years before that were just like that's the person we mm. we have to cast and yeah i don't know that was amazing you, i mean it's cool that we're talking about this stuff because i think a lot of people don't talk about this stuff and i think the thing that we should also also mention <clears throat> is that <laughs> a big portion of it is being genuine and a big portion of it is being in this business and loving this business and loving, genuinely loving people and loving to find folks and put, put people in different places for no real gain. 
it's just the gain is that you're in it. The gain is that you're like a part of it mm. and you're like, hey, you need this. Yeah, without a doubt, I will hook you up with this person because fuck yeah, you guys are great. You guys do really good work. Um, and I, I think that it's weird when you sort of look at, if you look at the business like a layered cake, right? And so we're down here and we're the, we're the, we're the the yellow cake foundation, right? Mm -hmm. We're the people that are making things. We're the the storytellers, the filmmakers, the crew people. We're the people at the bottom that are making all this stuff. And then we got to get to the the person that's going to eat the cake, which is the money folks. And so then you have to go through these other layers of what our industry calls gatekeepers or people that are in it for the wrong reasons. Like they're collecting things, they're collecting people. And like, I'm not going to give you this person unless I get fucking paid or like th this sort of thing happens. And I feel... Mm -hmm. Like, uh, strangely, I think with how this business and how our, our um, culture is shifting, a lot of that is shrinking, which is nice. Because I think you start going back into the 90s, you start going back into that era, and it was very sort of ego-driven. And like, I'm a fucking boss, and you're going to buy me. You know, but, and I feel that sort of gap closing a bit, but it's still yeah. kind of there. And I just want to say that on the microphone to promote that to a lot of you listeners out there who are listening to the show and looking for secrets on how to be a bigger asshole in the industry. <laughs> and, uh, you know, get over yourself and join us in the fun sort of creative cesspool that is filmmaking and sharing. And, and yeah. if you share then somewhere, somewhere down the line that comes back to you mm. and it makes something or makes one of your dreams come true. So I think that's something I learned a ton just from the film festival community. Like mm. I think it's something mm. that before you are taking something to the festival circuit or like I think a lot of times early, like when, you know, when I was first submitting stuff, it's like you only submit to a certain type of film festival or, or things like that. And there's so much pressure one puts on oneself to be like, you know, getting so many things out of the process when like actually the best film festivals are the ones that are a big party where you make a ton of friends, mm -hmm. see a lot of awesome movies and you leave it and you're like, wow, I literally just felt like I was at a family reunion, like yeah. with just yeah. hanging out with cool people. And I think... I don't know. It's there's so much like rethinking that I feel like we have to learn how to do with like being kind of filmmakers who are emerging just to be finding those communities foremost. Yeah, definitely. And I also don't I don't think it can happen all at once. I think that's the big thing that I've come to learn after all this time. It's that those changes and feeling like you belong and are part of that community and feeling like it all comes a little bit easier and that you get to know people at places like film quest. Right. All of that is not something that can happen overnight. It's something that you have to build little by little. Yep. And one day you wake up and you realize, Whoa, I've learned all of this stuff about film festivals, mm -hmm. about making movies, about making connections. And it, it's just, I feel like the moment I realized that was when my mom was asking me about it. And my sister's also a filmmaker. She's younger. And, you know, she was, they were both just asking me about film festivals. And I started talking and I didn't stop talking for like 45 minutes. And that was a big moment of realization mm -hmm. of like, oh, I have learned so much mm -hmm. about this entire process um, that I didn't even put into words before those moments it's funny too how we have to 
how we have to unlearn. Like it's a big, a big portion of it for me was unlearning because we, you look at these things, this is what the other show is about, but you look at these things and you go, all right, this is what I think it is. This is what I've told, what I've been told it is. Like if I do music videos, I'll be the next David Fincher and I'll then do movies. And so, or like a director is in charge of everything and they have all the answers in the world or like, you know, to be a great actor, you have to do these specific things or you have to go to these specific schools and the specific training and all these different things. And this is the, the myth around this trade. And I think the myth is so strong and the sense of the myth of power is so strong that we have so many people clamoring to get into this business because of the myth, yeah. right? Because I want to be a, a position of power. I want to prove this or I want to do that. And I find that the longer I'm in this business and the film festivals also do a really good job of this, you start to meet the people that are, in this business because of the myth and they're chasing that myth and they're either really upset that they're not at that point or they're really sort of disgruntled that the myth doesn't actually exist the way that they thought it does. Mm -hmm. And then you're meeting the people that work real hard because they, they know the reality of it. And the reality of it is we're a bunch of fucking plumbers. Like it, yeah. it really is a relentless shitty fucking gig where you're not making any money <laughs> most of the time, right? Your hours suck. Like it's tough to have a relationship because you have to drop everything when all of a sudden like, Oh, it's here, you know? And like the whole world has to change and it's a shitty fucking gig. And I think if the myth wasn't there, you wouldn't have such a plethora of <laughs> a herd of people like chasing this thing because the more you stay with this and the longer you're in it you see these people dropping off pretty quick pretty fucking quick and they go man this is not what i thought it was and this sucks and i, I don't i i don't have four cars and a house in the fucking hills and two years into the gig or you know and um i think that uh at least when you brought up film festivals, and I think that's why I got on this fucking tangent. When you brought up film festivals, you really see it at film festivals. You really see the filmmakers that are just like, you know, wiping the fake blood off their arms and like running to the airport and, and trying to get there in time. And then you see like the, the faux producers that are there and they're just like, my dad paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was my favorite thing about Film Quest was just, again, the community that's there, you know? Like, yeah. Like, I've been to a few festivals, but usually, like, you show up for the day of your thing and then you, you fuck off. Yeah. yeah. So getting to go there and then talk to everyone, and I think it, it's, it honestly, I think it spoiled me in terms of we had a, we had a how we go yeah. about it. Like, just the... the podcast alone just interviewing people i was like this is the shit like it takes yeah. all the pressure of networking out of the thing because then when you show up for the events you're like you've already been like like prepped for all this conversation you can walk into it's so easy to talk to people but i think it's also a testament to those kinds of film festivals like you were saying where that community is there to have those moments where you can connect with people, where you can have that right place, right time, where you can be in the, oh yeah, I got this yeah. thing, or I know this guy, or you know, somebody's like, oh, I wrote this thing, and I've been trying to look for something like that. You know, and having that opportunity for those moments to happen because it's curated to be that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our other producer on Ride Baby Ride, we met at Film Quest the previous year. See? Yeah. yeah. Who's the producer? Who's the other producer? Sam Farr. Yeah. I know Sam. Yeah. yeah. I know Sam well. <laughs> Sam's been on the show multiple times and then we've hung out with Sam at parties and stuff like that. Sam is great. Sam's, Sam's amazing. Yeah. yeah we 
We actually became friends at Nightmares Film Festival. Yes. Oh, right Columbus, on. Ohio. Hard to get to from LA, only Spirit Airlines. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. And uh, <laughs> we got stranded in the Columbus airport for hours <laughs> because <laughs> of Spirit. <laughs> yeah. We're just, yeah. And then that was the moment where I was like, we got to make something together. And then we yeah. became, you know, yeah, and I sealed was the there. deal at Film Quest. Yes, Selena was there at Film Quest. Yeah. So, yeah. Sam is great. Yeah. We were in Nightmares too this year. We did Nightmares yeah. in there. Oh, film yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we didn't make it to, to Nightmares because we were also doing the, we did the podcast for like right. 10 days. And, and also, like you it. said, the travel was a pain in the ass. Yeah. Because yeah. you got to fly here, switch planes, go there. I was like, Provo's like two hours yeah. and just, <laughs> just come back. This is way better. I want to do that. Yeah, I love Sam. She came on the show and she was just big personality. Pretty cool. Well, she came in the house and she was, remember it was her and, uh, and uh, he's going to hate the fact that I can't remember his name. Who, what was his name? My arch nemesis out there. Oh, Ramon. Ramon. <laughs> Ramon. Ramon. Yeah. So her and Ramon came in the house and they were just like, fuck you, fuck you. That was like how they walked into the door, remember? And they were just like, fuck off. And I was like, it's like eight o'clock, dude. Did you guys get in a fight outside? Like, yeah. what's going on? Fuck off, fuck off. <laughs> so it was fun. It was, it was a good... It was a good episode. That's wild. Funny. I didn't meet Sam because that was the day they had the the workshop. I met you at the workshop. There you oh, go. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Everything was went right where it needed to be. <laughs> yeah, it's all happening on purpose. You missed your right place right there, buddy. Oh, fuck <laughs> well, it. we were in a I'll take, I'll take mine. Place. I'll take what I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this has been great, and and I don't mind going. Are you guys okay in time? I'm yeah, I'm okay, great. I don't mind going a little bit longer. We got two guests on the show. We're allowed to go yeah. a little bit longer. Yeah. Let's let's kind of pivot a little bit and uh, let's get into right place, right time stuff. Let's talk life in general. Like, do either of you have a, a ground shifting right place, right time moment? Whether it's work or whether it's love and relationships. Like, do you have something that shifted everything for you? Well, I mean, right before we started recording, I was talking, I'll do this as a buffer so you can think of something yes. and then I can think of something. <laughs> I love that teamwork. She's like, well, I was like, wheel spins. I got you. And the clock is ticking. <laughs> um, so we, Sophie and I and our friend Emma Pastro are now going into a process of doing a play. Nice. Um, and the way that that happened is Sophie saw a flyer for um, just a little production that was happening of Venus and Furt. And um, we had done that play together in college. And so the two of us decided to go see it. And leaving that play, we both had the feeling of like, oh, wouldn't it be so great to do theater again? And we just kind of went off and and I went off and I, I was thinking about this specific play. I was like, if only I could do this specific play, I would mm. be, that was, that would be, the thing I would want to do this year, mm. but not thinking anything would happen. And um, a couple of weeks later, I show up to this party our friend Emma was throwing. And the first thing she says to me when I walk in the door is, oh, I was just talking to Sophie. I've been wanting to do, we've been wanting to do a play. And the play that I've been mm. thinking of is three characters, but two main female characters. And I 
I was just like, I know the perfect play for us to do. And so mm-hmm. now we're doing it. So he's going to direct and the two of us are going to act. There you go. Congratulations. <laughs> that was the right place, right time. Yeah. Isn't it weird? To, like you start thinking about something like that. It's almost like you had too much garlic. Like it's just emanating from you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? That is the perfect characterization. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're going to call manifestation from yes, now on. Eating just too much garlic. My garlic's emanating. I love that. My garlic's. <laughs> my garlic's. <laughs> just my garlics <laughs> yeah but it's, it's weird how that works right you start yeah. to think about something and you haven't even mentioned it out loud and then it's mm-hmm. suddenly being put out there yeah in the yeah. in the universe in some weird way whoa i don't believe in that shit, but i'm just saying that the I'm universe like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, i'm yeah. sh- slowly shifting mike into a better person <laughs> <laughs> i shouldn't say it. not a better person a more optimistic person. <laughs> yeah 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 sure okay <laughs> um i'm blushing um <laughs> Okay, that's cool. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's my most recent one. It's yeah. a good one. What do you got? Pressure. I mean, on. I don't know. I, I, I honestly am still thinking back to I think the initial days of our little filmmaking group that we found. Like we, you know, this is goes back to kind of when we were talking film school, but just kind of by happenstance, I was put into a group with these two guys, Shane Bannon and Matt Kleppner, and like. Shane production designed my film, but is an incredibly amazing writer director in his own right. And Matt is a DP who had shot pretty much everything I'd done up until Ride Baby Ride. And it was, I don't know, like there's something about, we were just thrust into this position where we were working together because of class and literally for years just continued to do that. I mean, moved to, LA all together, mm-hmm. all lived together. Selena was our de, de facto uh, not member of the class, but <laughs> but I was there, dream day. maker of, of everything. And I don't know, like I I think back to every everything I've made or like the most important reasons why I like filmmaking. I feel like go back to just this feeling of like being with your best friends and wanting to have a fun reason to hang out and problem solve. And we lived all together in COVID and continued to shoot like tiny little shorts that, you know, the group would just write and come up with and make something. And I don't know, like retaining that, that sense of just like playing with your friends is I think the biggest drive I have to continue to do anything. And I don't know where I would be if not for that weird little class. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It's like, I find that the strongest working relationships always come from that place. And like, there are, there've been times where like, you know, I've had to direct like union crews or you have to direct these different things. And when you meet crew people from that perspective, it's always stranger because it's almost more transactional where you're like, I need a key grip. And then you meet the key grip who's coming in and he's like, okay, so this is a real fucking job. And so then he's hitting you with all his rates and his truck rates and all his bullshit. And you're just like, but bro, (laughs) we're just hanging out. And he's like, we're not just hanging because his doorway in is Mm -hmm. through the transactional sort of business sense Mm -hmm. of it. And I find that a lot of, I don't know if I've kept any of those folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like those folks don't stay. Those folks yeah. just sort of come and go, and 
And uh, it's not because they're not great. It, I think it's just the circumstance that I met them in. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I had randomly met them while having beers with someone at a spot, I went, wow, we really get along and you really like fucking Terminator, right? Why don't we come over? I'm going to do a Terminator party and we'll come over and we'll do the Terminator party. And then you're hanging out at the Terminator party and you're like, check out how Arnold pulls out his eye and look at all these really cool like special effects and shit that they did. And everybody goes, yeah, it's rad. And then the guy's like hanging out with you or, or whoever it is and they're just like, you know, next time you do something, give me a call. And you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, good news. I've got this thing I got no money for, and I'm going to shoot in my garage. All right, I'll be there. Yeah. And then those relationships end up becoming the strong fucking relationships. And those are the people that you call when you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. And by trouble, I mean <laughs> you you lie your way into a position and you bite <laughs> off more than you can chew, and you go like, yeah, fuck yeah, give me that money. And then you're in that spot, and you're like, <laughs> and so then you call up your friends, and you're like, how do you how do you rig this thing? <laughs> and they're like, okay, okay, dickhead. And they're like, I'll come over and I'll help you out. And nobody, nobody's pushes you away for asking for that help no one's like no the experiences i've had like we did motherfucker with the hat and we got an entire crew and gear for free like just off the strength of like working together on jobs and coming and helping out on stuff and like just being someone who you know can add value and is you know worth their word and then you go hey i just need you to to bring it back this way but if you can just come help me out and there's never been the experience of like ah, i wish i hadn't asked them to come do that for free because now they don't return my phone calls hmm. that doesn't happen because you know you have that dynamic and that allows you to have that opportunity i think mm. It is weird, man, as we bring it back to right place, right time. It's, it's, and the more we do this show, because it's like a discovery for us. As we started the show, he's coming at it from an optimistic standpoint. Mm -hmm. I'm coming at it from a cynical standpoint. I hate it when people are like, well, it's the right place, right time. You should have been there. <laughs> like, I hate that. But the more that we talk about this stuff, the more you realize that all these things that lead to success, that lead to these lightning strikes, that lead to the ability for you to be able to handle when something shows up is mindset. And like really just changing your mindset and being open, like opening your mind and just going like, it's a good idea for me to go hang out with these people, or it's a great idea for me to go do this thing, or it's a cool idea for me, instead of being awkward when I go to that school and see like who picks me for the club, maybe I should go put myself out there and go do these elements. And then next thing you know, you are formed this team that has shaped all of your work. Yeah. I mean, I think what seems to me to be most important, whether or not you believe that the universe is doing it mm -hmm. is is showing up because mm -hmm. i think that this idea i've been really uh, interested in this idea that the decision we we spend so much time agonizing over decisions yes. and sometimes it's more important to just make a decision or do a thing than make the right decision mm -hmm. and it, you know, obviously sometimes it matters and sometimes you make the wrong call, but I think doing the thing, showing up to the thing, you never know what's going to happen. And right place, right time doesn't necessarily always mean these big moments where you show up and you're like, oh my God, it, what a big coincidence. Sometimes it means going to a thing and you meet someone and then three years later, something becomes right. relevant and it, it's, you're building that for yourself you're setting yourself up for future opportunities by showing up by being a supportive friend who's going to go to your somebody's screening and they're going to remember that or 
what whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Come on now, come on now, <laughs> come on now, talk that stuff. Yeah. It's true, and and it, this this isn't just filmmaking. This is everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, because everything we do requires people. You know, everything we do requires all the folks around us and building relationships and and getting um, building the life that you want requires you to be in that mindset it's it's really cool man it's cool to see this sort of you know the fucking clouds parting a little bit and Mm. going like this is what this is all about you know yeah Yeah. it's not about some crazy fucking spiritual shit (laughs) (laughs) we'll get you there (laughs) (laughs) but sometimes that helps sometimes you know Sometimes that's what you need to put yourself in the right place right, to be right. open to an yes. opportunity. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. be able to just be vulnerable and yeah. like sh- be willing to share yourself with someone. That's yeah. tough. Yeah. Mm. That's tough. I mean, it that's took a a, it takes a while, especially with a lot of guys. I think that's tough. Or, or was tough. With my generation that was more tough where being vulnerable and being outwardly vulnerable was a tough thing. I mean, that's kind of what we have been tackled. That's what we were tackling with the uh, come home yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. Cause um, even in my generation, it's like, well, it's tough to say cause I'm an actor. So I was <laughs> born sensitive, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what do you guys don't cry? What do you mean? Yeah. It feels so good. <laughs> but like, it's, it's, it's so true. Like with our piece, a lot of it was trying to go, like, here's these feelings that we're having about the industry and about like our personal lives as individuals. And yeah. you know, can we just go fucking make something? Cause that'll feel good. Like even with like, I've been making promo material for, for this show and just the act of doing that thing and going through the process of, oh my God, this is so much fun. I'm having so much fun with these people. And then being done shooting and sitting there going, oh my God, what the fuck have I done? This sucks. It's terrible. And then getting done with the edit and going, ah, yes, it was worth it. Like that feeling. You sent me that edit and I was instantly jealous. Ah, see, yeah, come hang out next time. I was instantly jealous. I was just like, fuck. And it was great. It was, it was good in a good way, but I watched it and I was like, what did I do? Oh, I did all this other shit today. Fuck. (laughs) You guys will see when we post it, I think probably later today or tomorrow, but it's, it comes from that thing of like going, ah, I want to be on the vulnerability, the putting yourself out there and go like, if I do this, because to me, I think when you, if you're talking about making something, when the piece comes together and it's done and you're looking at it, like that to me is an ultimate right place, right time where you, everything just lined up, everything worked out. And I feel so proud. And in that flow and in that moment of like, this is what the fuck I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And it's also just a time capsule of that moment when you were making it. Oh, like, you know, it's yeah. not, yes. it doesn't need to be perfect. Yeah. It just, that's where you were at that time. Yeah. And that's how special is that? That you can like go back and watch something that was like, that was, that's just where I was at, I guess. It's like the yeah. ultimate photo album for yeah. that period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like, man, and there's something really nice of now having work that has existed for like 20 years or 15 years and you go back and you look at it. And you're just like, that was pretty fucking good for that period. Like mm-hmm. now that it, there's been enough time where you get past the sort of brutal sort of yeah. mental flogging that we give ourselves after we do something like, oh, that shot's terrible and everybody's going to hate me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and you get to a point where you go like, wow, that was cool. And that was really fucking great. And yeah. Do you ever feel like that with your writing? Like you go back and you read a line and you're like, oh, come my on. God. Every, all the time. <laughs> You said every no, time. I, I, I mean, it, uh, yeah, I just go back and I'm like filled with regret. <laughs> oh, like, no, I mean like good stuff. Like you read oh, something and no, go, no, fuck no, yeah, no. this was it. Like I, I was in the pocket right here. Oh, oh, I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I feel like it, it's two-sided and I'm I'm trying to get to the place of 
of being able to just like take it for what it was at that yeah. moment. But I, you know, cause there is so much at the top of your mind. I feel like when you watch your own work where you're, you remember all the challenges and, and all the reasons why you wrote that thing or, mm-hmm. or what you were going through. Like, you know, if you make a particular kind of bummer of a movie and you're like, Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> Oops. I like how you, I like how you describe yeah. that. Whoa. I definitely have those. I, I think of myself as kind of a fun person. Yeah. There are definitely pieces of work where it maybe doesn't quite capture that energy, but, well, that's, but that's what it was, you know? Yeah. That's fascinating. So the longer you do this now, so how long have you been directing now? Ooh, maybe, I mean, I don't, I, I feel like I still have stuff from when I was like 11 years old that is oh, available to be viewed. <laughs> yeah, but you're special. <laughs> so you've been directing for a while. Right. And so do you find now that you have sort of like a pulling or an, a need to tell a specific type of story personally for you? And are you, are you, ah, to give you an example, right? Like I find that I need to tell stories that I, I find fun. Like that's my new thing right now, where it's more than anything else. I want it to be a fun story. I want it to be something fun to make. And I want to be on a fun fucking set. And that's kind of my drive for everything. Do you find yourself being pulled into a specific tone? I think so. I think I'm, I'm very pro fun at this moment. I, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, so I used to do more kind of comedy and specifically we kind of started making musical comedies together and <laughs> I do not sing I was not singing <laughs> no, it was like weird inanimate objects singing yes. a toilet uh, you know <laughs> some other weird stuff um, but uh, then I I had this like acid yeast infection idea and that just felt like a horror movie. Uh, <laughs> Those words just went into my brain and it's started exactly melting my cortex. Imagining. Exactly yeah. what you're imagining is what it is. I feel like we need to do a screening. I want to see what you made from 11 all the way up to the acid oh yeast infection God. idea and them, and them singing toilet. I hope I hope yeah. the acid I hope the acid yeast infection was at 11. That I hope that humor has been a big part of me yeah (laughs) i will say that's funny um but yeah i mean that was love is a fire and you know i wrote that i think in a a period of isolation we wrote it in covid and i i wanted to do something totally different wanted to learn how to make a horror movie and i think a lot of that just came you know it's very much about two people not able to connect properly and the Mm. intimate issues with intimacy that come with that and the acid yeast, all that, but and wait, I'm sorry. What did you say? It's called. It's called Love Is a Fire. <laughs> I think you just broke Lance. I think bird, you baby, him. bird. Yeah. Uh, oh, so good, so good. Yeah, you know, good. but I do think it would have it would have made for. I mean, it has funny elements to it for yeah. sure. But I, it is a little bit serious too, mm. and yeah. I think. 
coming out of that movie and like every time I watch it and it also it has a lot of dialogue and people angry at each other mm. and I hear the dialogue and I just you know I'm like I, I'm, I'm proud of what it was for that moment but you know I think that where I'm at now is wanting to find things that are more fun and mm. propulsive and yes you know I mean something that's so beautiful about horror is when you're watching it with an audience and you feel everyone together reacting as one and you've like, okay, not only were you able to be part of the community of the making of it, but like in the watching of it, you have found reactions and people just feeling so deeply together. And there, there is kind of, there's a big moment of that at the end of loves of fire. But I think my, my goal with going into ride baby ride was to, to be able to find ways of cultivating that like emotional journey that can be communal and maybe leave you on a more net positive. <laughs> I mean, it's not really, but you know, just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I know what you, I mean, because yeah. like, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it. I feel like when I'm, when I was younger and when there were, when you're younger as a filmmaker, I think you get sort of lost in, heavy-handed themes almost mm. where you're just like this is I'm going to I'm going to tell this story and I feel like I've been through sort of like that heavy-handed theme game and then when you screen it for a fucking audience right and no matter how hard die hard you are at going through the process of doing it you still have to go sit in a fucking theater somewhere mm-hmm. and you're just dealing with the repercussions of your heavy-handed theme yeah. and you're just in there and you're like well I did a good job at this but Man, it was a fucking bummer. Like yeah. everything about this is a bummer. The, the screening of it's a bummer. And it's it's not like I don't respect those movies. It's not like I, I won't make a movie like that in the future, but I just maybe it's the film festival game. When you're in that space, you just get such a rush and an anxiety-fueled like urgency to make stuff that is fun to watch. And I don't mean like cheap or chintzy. I'm not talking fucking superheroes and shit like that. I just mean like the craft is there. Mm -hmm. The art is there. The performance is there. And that is the forefront of it. And it isn't just like heavily loaded with everything else. And, And I think once you can get over the heavy loading, which I think is a big part of everything that we're seeing these days, is very heavily loaded with pretty aggressive themes once you sort of get over that and you start to make something then those themes seep in like naturally and they're in there and they're playing in that game uh in a more cohesive way well i think it's all about um creating an experience for the audience whatever that experience might be Mm. but allowing them to go through an emotional journey whether that emotional journey be fear in a horror movie yeah. or laughing if you're making a comedy or even in a heavier movie if the audience goes through that experience there is still that sense of having gone through something together yes yes and yeah. uh i i feel like for me that's the most important thing and uh, also to uh you know be the optimist here i i love going back and watching old stuff even that isn't up to snuff technically. I feel like still being pretty young, all of our, you know, terrible college stuff isn't that far behind us. Mm. It it feels worlds apart from what we're doing now. But I, I go back and I, I mean, relatively recently, I think we had some evening where um, 
me and a couple of other friends like put out like our our first movie that's like accessible just to to see what it's like and you know uh, i'm watching what we made and you know clearly there was no like sound design or whatever it was like you know one of those like 48 hour movie i made i made yeah 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) and and there's plenty of flaws you could you could point out endless flaws but i i also have a lot of love for it because you look at that and i see the nuggets of the artists we are now the the things that feel still the same that are the core of who we are that we bring from those kind of like over eager kids who didn't know Mm -hmm, anything mm -hmm. into the thoughtful experienced people we are today i i love that i I agree with you completely yeah completely and there's there's this we're on a good tangent there there's this sort of arc in i think most storytellers careers where like you start right you start with it and you're like I'm inspired by all these different people and I want to see if I can do what they do. And so the, there's a whole lot of replication that happens where it's like, I love David Fincher and fight club and how many fucking dudes were doing fight club. Mm-hmm. Like, so then you go through this whole bit where you're recreating something and then you obviously don't have the resources and funds to make that the way it's, it looks, but you accidentally find things. And then suddenly those accidents are inspiring to you and those start to shape your voice. And then, yeah. then for me, I felt like I, when I was in my late twenties, I was in sort of the whole like pretentious game of filmmaking where I'm like, well, if it's not Citizen Kane or if it's not this. And then suddenly like I couldn't watch movies. I was the worst person. I still kind of am. But I was the worst person to watch movies with because I'd sit there and be like, and just be super grumpy about all of these techniques and stuff. And then I found myself in this dark place with that where I went, this isn't fun anymore for me. It's not fun anymore for me. And then I started to look around at other people that were making things. And I go, why are they having so much more fun than I am? And then you start releasing all that. And then you become hyper-focused on the fun game. And it's weird. I don't know why I'm on this tangent, but it's weird how our metamorphosis as storytellers kind of all goes the same way with I think a lot of people. Do you guys feel that same way about the stuff? Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. I no, I I completely agree. I think that I think that we all have to go through phases of learning and unlearning and figuring out what's us and figuring out what's put on to us by the world and what we've mm-hmm. taken from others. Um and I think it's hard to know what phase you're in because <laughs> presumably we're all going to continue to develop our voices in our career and who knows how we'll look back on what we're making or how we felt about things today but i i think that that's why having that sort of forgiveness for your past self is important because at one point that that was the best you could do you were bringing everything you had to that process yes. in that moment. Yes. I think that having a lot of grace for that and understanding that you would not be the person you are today if you hadn't gone through those phases. And that you you did make some something yes. yeah. in the process. Like I just uh my mom was just cleaning out all of her storage units <laughs> and she gave me a box 
of mini DV tapes from like the first thing I shot probably when I was 11. I'm trying to figure out how to get it digitized, but I'm like, whatever I was make like it just has like scene names and numbers on these tiny tapes. And I don't know, there is something just fun to think like I'm still at it somehow. Like yeah. this, this thing that I wanted to do then is still yeah. happening and still crossing that fucking desert man yeah yeah and with that that does that 11 year old you is that 11 year old you proud of who you are now she hated horror movies did not watch those <laughs> like no horror she's like what are you doing to us <laughs> go back to musicals <laughs> where's the singing toilet it was yeah. great <laughs> that's funny yeah she yeah. thinks i peaked you know already and it's downhill <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw this great thing the other day. It was this guy. He was um, getting off his phone call and uh, get, after getting rough notes for a script. And there was a version of him that was younger and was like, "Oh, I saw, that saw this, one. right? Yes, yes. Yeah, it's so, it was such a nice little clip." And the guy's like, uh, "Oh man, so we made it." He's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, You're, "That's a new idea, right?" He's like, "Well, no, no, it's actually like it's one of your ideas." And he's like, "Oh, and they want to make it? Well, yeah, I just got to do some things. Ah, so it worked out. We did it." And it's like like that reminder of like where you yeah. were at then when you started that those eleven year old videos right like those stage productions like yeah. if you were to be in those shoes then and look at where you're at now like are you satisfied are you are you proud of the path that you're on? I actually had one of those moments uh, recently, maybe a month ago. I was at um, just a, a friend's party, her birthday party, and there was somebody who came up to me and she was like, "I'm so sorry, I." feel like I recognize you, but I'm not sure from where. And all of a sudden it like clicked for me. And I was like, oh my God, we went to acting summer camp mm. together, you know, a thousand years ago. <laughs> and, you know, we're talking about what we're up to now. And, um, and she goes, and you're acting? And I was like, yeah, I am. And, and it's yeah. like, you know, a thousand years ago, we went to acting summer camp together. Mm. And I'm actually out there doing that for my life. And, and mm -hmm. that was just such a cool such a cool moment of mm -hmm. realizing that there has been that continuity and I'm fulfilling that kid's dream. Yeah. And congratulations for that. Because it's a to big, all of us. yeah, to it's all a big, us. it's a big deal. Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. it's important for us to say that to each other. Like mm -hmm. congratulations for still being here. Congratulations for still pushing through all this stuff and congratulations for not giving up. And I think that that's a big part of what this business is, is just longevity. And if we yeah. can, play that longevity game for as long as we can, then chances will come around that you'll get the opportunity that you need. Yeah. So congrats, everybody. Congrats, congrats. everyone. <laughs> Isn't this positive? I'm very so positive. This has been today, so. such a beautiful, heartwarming conversation. It's like, it's like a conversational sound bath. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to re-listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> in the shower and be like, what did we say that day? <laughs> uh, well, on that note, on that note, we should probably end. Um, it's been wonderful hanging out. It's been wonderful having you both on the show. Lance, it's okay hanging out with you. Uh, fuck you. Thanks yeah. for having us. Yeah, yeah thank you both so much for having You're us. You're very welcome. Thank and you. so with the uh, with the film, mm -hmm. is it live now? Is it out for the public? What's the deal? Alter on March 11th. Oh, pretty rad. Yeah. How's that alter deal? Is it okay? It's great. Good. We love we love the the alter. This is my first film on alter, but Selena's 
been involved to yeah, a bunch of two films with them previous films that are on there. Well, and you have a film on Dust. I do. So. I have a film on Dust as well. Oh. But we're we're big fans of them, and they're yeah. they're wonderful. Hell's yeah. yeah, hell's yeah. And those are people who you know years ago this wasn't the right place, right Come time on. to close us out. Mm. Um, right when uh, our friend and my creative partner Shane Bannon um, finished his film thesis uh, uh, from college. He submitted it to this thing, Alter, which had just started, but you know, it was like some random website and he didn't know anything about it and forgot about it. And two years later, he got an email being like, hello, we'd like to put your film on Alter. And we were like, oh yeah, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. And it not only has that been so great for getting eyes on his film and all of that, but we've now gone on to meet the people who run Alter mm. and Dust and they're just, they've become such incredible friends and they love to champion filmmakers that they mm. meet and that they've worked with in the past. And it's just, those are just other great people that yeah. sometimes you never know. Yeah. All right. Well, awesome. Congrats on that as well. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show. We should wrap this up. Thank you, everybody, for listening and tuning into uh, well being at the right place, right time. You know, oh, that was good. Was, was it good? It felt really awkward. Thanks for it felt being like I was no, like the was right great. place, right yeah, time. Felt like I was falling down a staircase with that. <laughs> Next time when we do it, we'll make it feel more intentional. <laughs> You're gonna look back at this and be like, "That was a pocket." <laughs> <laughs> All right.